Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Don Rico Castro, and you are tuning in to the What's in Your Case podcast. They have described themselves as a non-binary artist that is queer and loves flowers. My guest is my dear friend, Olive of Owlbear Designs. Hi, Don Rico. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Now, Owlbear Designs is such a unique name. Would you mind sharing its origins? Yeah. So the name has a lot of significance to me for many different reasons. Um, but the impetus and like the origin of me choosing that name, it was, what year was it? I think it was sometime when I was in high school. So it was around, I think, 2013. And I was at BFD at the Shoreline Amphitheater in <clears throat> Mountain View. And I was with my mom and I was like, had just started seeing this new partner. And I was like texting them the whole time that I was there at the concert with my mom. At one point, I asked them what animal I reminded them of. And their response was an owl. With my name, olive and owls and things like that are connected a lot of the time with the O's and everything. And so I was like, is it just because of my name? And they were like, no, it's because you have owl hair. And I like read that and I was like, that's so like, what do you, what does that mean? <laughs> but it was like so intriguing to me that I was like instantly loved that concept of having owl hair, especially because one of my middle names is Alva. And I was named after my great grandma who passed away a couple weeks before I was born. And so she collected owl figurines and owl themed things. And so I hold her name with me every day of my life. And I like have some of her owls that when I was growing up that were like made out of shells and things like that. My dad used to always call me his little owl and like had owl stickers on his guitar. Also when I was little with my mom to like get her attention in the middle of the night or like from downstairs instead of yelling mom we would hoot like an owl so i'd go hoo 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 and she would reciprocate it and then she would like come and see what was going on so owls have just always been like a very important thing to me and then that imagery and that like verbiage of owl hair just like stuck with me and so i had changed my instagram name to being like owl haired later on when i turned that instagram into my like art account I added on the designs, and then we got my business name. <laughs> <laughs> and how would you describe your art? I'd say I definitely work in a lot of different mediums, but the kind of stylistic vibe that my illustration work has is definitely inspired by minimal black and white line work tattoos. That kind of style is something that I've always been drawn to in both just visual art and also like body art. And then slowly as I've gotten more comfortable as an artist, added in a lot more color elements to my designs. And those have kind of been inspired by old botanical drawings. So for botanical like uh, encyclopedias and things like that, um, that kind of stylistic watercolor, a little bit sketchy, a little bit more on the muted tones, but still very like realistic, but simple. And then when it comes to my floral art, 
I am very inspired by like bright colors and shapes. I really like playing with monotone color palettes a lot, getting all the different shades of yellows or all the shades of oranges. I really love that aesthetic. I <laughs> vaguely describe my art as being inspired by nature. Everything that I do has some type of root or tie to the natural world and either that solely or how us as humans interact with non-human things in the world. So incorporating and anthropomorphizing the natural world in some ways. An interesting fact is Olive and I met during the pandemic. We met over Discord for a game night. But before the pandemic, I discovered your art when it was presented at what was then Tower Brewing and is now High Water Brewing. You had your art displayed on the walls. Yeah. I remember specifically the the one where there were two people dancing and their heads were replaced with flowers. Yeah. That design was called Swing. And it was actually a design that came out of the Inktober art challenge that happens every year. One artist coined the name Inktober. And then from there, there's been lots of different drawing challenges that happen in October. A lot of artists have now created their own prompts and things like that. And so that drawing came from every, all those drawings, like give them like keywords or themes for each drawing. And that one was like swing dancing. Or no, I think it was swing was just the single word. And the first thing that came to my mind was swing dancing. It was something that I really loved to do in high school. I learned like in PE and then I went out on my own and would like go to like swing dancing places around where I lived and haven't done it in a very long time. But it was something that was really fun for me. And the first time I felt excited about dancing. Um, <laughs> and so I knew exactly what I wanted to draw when that prompt came up. Something that I love to do and I think I may Maybe should have touched on in my style is taking silhouettes of human things or inanimate objects and creating those silhouettes and that image out of flowers. You'll see that in a lot of work that I do, lungs that are created out of flowers, beer cans created out of flowers, and that piece was two people dancing created out of flowers. And so sometimes the flowers will be something that's connected or linked to the item that I'm doing, or sometimes it'll just be whatever fits the form the easiest or just whatever flower I'm fixated on at the time. And how long have you been selling your art for? So officially, like really getting into selling, I started my first ever time going to like a market and like having a booth and everything was in 2019. I was invited to Pride Show at the Sunshine House in Davis. And so my uh, girlfriend had been invited to play music there. And then coincidentally, I don't even think that organizer knew, also messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to vend at this event? And I was like, Jade, I also got invited. Um, and so that was really cool. So I had my first table and it was really nice because all my friends were there. Jade was there. Gigi was there. And it was just a really beautiful community event. So that was the very first time I sold at any kind of official event. I dabbled a little bit in 2019 doing a couple little events, my biggest event being in December. And then the pandemic hit and in-person events really weren't a thing anymore. And so I did sell some stuff online for a while, but I kind of fell out of art for a little bit 
in 2020. And then 2021 is when I decided that I really wanted to like continue pursuing this in a stronger way and got my like first retail account. And then 2022 is when I went full time into my art and actually like got official with like a business license and all that. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to see your journey over the past few years and your growth. You went from basically a tiny table of things to a full canopy and catalog that's grown as well. Yeah. You sell drawings of plants, incorporating plants into your art. You sell stickers, prints. You've expanded to pins, mirrors, apparel, wood-burning art, jewelry. Am I forgetting anything? I think that covers almost everything. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll make a one-off, fun, crazy, kooky thing. But yeah. (laughs) How does it feel to look back and to see how many steps you've taken since then? It's really wild to think about the journey and like people ask, how did you get started or where did it start? And really trying to like look back and solidify the moments that were significant enough to make those choices and like how those choices were made has been really wild to look back on. Because for me, it's just been this like one kind of smooth journey with some ups and downs, but it's been consistent. And then to look back and like reflect on it and be like, wow, two years ago, I didn't even think I could draw. Like I thought I was just doing doodles. And then now I've done commissions for local bands. I've created logos for companies. And like, that's crazy to me. Just see like, I, I put belief in myself and I just soared from there. And that's really wild to see how much you can accomplish when you just believe that you can do it. And that's been really cool. I think I I am in disbelief sometimes. I, I think a lot about the like trend where people will put like a picture of themselves when they're like five years old and they'll be like, we're an artist now, like (laughs) that kind of thing. Like thinking about when I was little, I never imagined that I would be able to have done the things that I have done. And there's so much more to explore and be a part of and collaborate with. And I feel like I forgot the original question and I don't know if I fully answered it. (laughs) So you mentioned you sell at farmer's markets and art shows. Yeah. What's the process like applying to be a vendor? I think that's a really important question because I think it's a really daunting thing for people getting started. And so it truly depends on the market. A lot of markets have similar processes, but then there are markets that do things completely differently. But I'd say kind of the typical process is a lot of events do it market to market. So you wait for their applications to drop for each market. And then you apply either through their website. A lot of places use Google Forums. It's a super easy, efficient way to gather info. So a lot of the time, what they're looking for is your contact information, what you make and what you do, a description. And then a lot of the time, they'll either ask for your social media, your website, or photos, or all of the above to kind of be able to see your work and if they feel like it's going to fit into their market that they have. And then some places will charge an application fee. I've only really found that to be the case at really um, either really large events or certain um, organizations or like market companies that are considered really high tier. A lot of the time we'll have like a jurying fee or an application fee. 
for their time that they spend going through applications. And that's typically, I think, for places that get such a high volume of applications that it does take a long time to go through them. Um, there are some events that have you pay up front when you apply. That can be a little bit daunting, especially for people that are just getting started that don't necessarily have the capital to like put $100 down and not even know if they're going to get into the event. You do always get the money back if you don't get in, but like to put it up front is hard sometimes for people. And then there's some events that you apply once and then you're basically like an accepted vendor and then you just like pick which of the dates you want to do. So my home market, my main market that I always do is like that, which is the Davis Craft and Vintage Fair that takes place about twice a month in Central Park in Davis. And so you apply to become a vendor. And if you are accepted, you get on the vendor list and then you get an invitation to each market and get to choose if you want to go to that market or not. And then there's another one that I've done where you apply, you get an accepted vendor and then all the spots, there's no shoot. You go in and you like put a market date in your cart and you pay for your market and then you like, you, you got that market. There's no like waiting to see if you got it because you've been an approved vendor. So there's some different ways that people do it. And I like the way that you're like an accepted vendor and you know you have some assurance of being a part of that event. It can be kind of disappointing sometimes when like you see a new event or you're excited about it and you apply and then you don't get in. And so it's nice to have that application process up front and your guaranteed market. It gives you a little bit more security if you're relying on that income. But I always like to try out new events. So I'm always putting my shot out there, hoping that I'll get chosen. There's definitely some really big, fun events that I'm hoping to maybe do this year. But yeah, so the process is truly different for every event. But there's usually some sort of application drops, give them your info, and then you kind of wait to see if you get in or not. Olive is the artist behind the What's in Your Case podcast art cover. I know you're very involved with not only music communities, but other communities. You've done logos for bands such as Landline, Planet, Pedestrian, as well as pins and cover arts as well. What do you feel like when you work with these artists or work with these other companies? How do you put a price on their commission? Yeah. Pricing is something that was like the biggest struggle for me starting out. And it's still, I think, is hard sometimes. <laughs> it's definitely difficult, especially when you're working with something that is not necessarily tangible. Tangible items, it's a little bit easier. You know how much the materials cost you and then you're like, okay, then I just do this equation. With commissions, it's harder to do like quotes and things like that because you can have an idea of how long something's going to take. And then when it comes down to reality, you're like, oh, shoot, that took way longer than I thought it was going to. Or you're like, whoa, that was way easier than I thought. And so I always try to give like a ballpark when I give quotes and then always I'm staying in that ballpark, but definitely adjusting if something was a lot simpler than I thought it was. I'm not going to charge the person way more because I said that in my quote as like a higher end of the price. So for... Designs like that, that are, I design most of those things digitally, and then people receive a file and or a physical copy if um, that's what they're looking for. And so I'm usually looking at the level of detail that's in the design, whether they're wanting black and white, or if they're wanting color, and then kind of assessing what I know from my skill level and like how fast I work and everything, how long I think that's going to take me. And so I take into account all of those kinds of variables. 
And it solely depends on the project, but things range. I've picked like an amount of money that I pay myself per hour. And then I like figure out from there how long I think it's going to take. And then I'm like, okay, then it's this many hours of my time. Digital things are a little easier because you don't have quite as much like materials that you're using. So that simplifies it in some way, but then it's harder to calculate your time ahead of time when you're like making quotes. But yeah, so I use time and then level of detail as my like factors for choosing a price. It's definitely hard. I think especially starting out, I've never been not never, but I, I don't always feel as confident about my art as I think I should. And so when I've been in those insecure places or I'm worried about what they think of it or something, I not always valuing myself, I think as much as I could. And so that can be hard to like really truly like feel that value of your work and knowing that people will appreciate that and like see the what you're putting into it and appropriately pay you for that and not be like, Oh my God, that's so much money when you're putting so much of your time and like effort and creativity and like knowledge and background into this piece. So it can be hard to price that. And a lot of the time it's so exciting to work with these people. And I just, a lot of time I'm like, I just want to draw this for you for free, but I also need to make money. So it's like (laughs) that (laughs) balance too, of like just wanting to create cool stuff for people. Um, but then also needing to think about that we need money to live in this society. And so I have to price my work fair for me and for the other people that are receiving it. Well, thank you for being our guest here at the What's in Your Case podcast. Do you have anything you'd like to promote at this time? Also, I know you do commissions, but anything else? Yeah. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, for sure. So social media wise, Instagram is like my main hub for everything. So I'm at Owl Hair Designs on there. And then I also just revamped and created a new website and I'm really excited about it. (laughs) It's just simply owlhairdesigns.com. And so it has a whole portfolio of my work. So you can see examples of things that I've created as well as a full-blown shop that has a really wider range of art, um, lots of really cool art prints that I've created. Everything is printed in-house. And then I have um, a lot of one of a kind, um, either hand printed shirts, cyanotype shirts, jewelry and framed art um, using flowers from my garden. Um, So it's a really good place to shop for any gifts if you're looking for anything for yourself or for your people you love. I am always posting where I'm going to be for the month, both on my website as well as on my Instagram. So you can always check on those sites to see where you can find me in person, especially if you're looking for anything that I post that you don't see on my website. It'll probably be at one of those in-person events. So yeah, I'd love to see your faces and and meet all of you. So if you find me because of this podcast, please let me know so I can just appreciate you for listening to me and supporting Don Rico. Um, Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you, Don Rico, for having me.